Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk about some out-of-the-box link-building ideas. And we're going to go over about three of them today. However, there's a longer blog post where eight different ideas are outlined, and these have all been tested, at least in like one case study. So... It's not foolproof, but uh, they they can give you some good ideas and generally a jumping off point to come up with your own ideas. Now, I'm going to digress for a a second here, give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Quentin. So Quentin uh, lives in the Missouri area and I was on a road trip. I was driving through his area, not very close, to be honest with you. He actually had to drive a few hours to meet up with me. He and his wife met me at a brewery for dinner. We chatted, and Quentin and I were in a mastermind group back in the day. Actually, the first mastermind group that I was in and the first one that he was in, Rob Atkinson was in our group as well. So we chatted, I think, every week or two for six or eight months. I don't remember. It was back in around 2013, 2014 timeframe. So it was kind of like when we were getting started. And anyway, first time I met him in person. And funny enough, I haven't met Rob yet, but I need to um, as soon as possible. (laughs) So anyway, shout out to uh, Quentin. Appreciate you coming out. And it was great chatting with you and your wife. So I hope you guys are doing well. All right. So quick note on a few of these uh, ideas These are things that I haven't tested uh, personally, but one of my students, Christy, who's a student of Five Figure Niche Site, she's written for the Niche Site Project blog for a few articles. She's a very, very good writer. That's sort of her, her background. So as she was going through the course and doing really well, I was like, hey, do you want to write some? It would be really great to get a fresh you know, set of ideas and uh, basically get your help. So anyway, she's she's written a few articles for me, which is great. Quick note, she's doing really well. Her site is a little bit over a year old. I think it's like 14 months or so. I believe she's about, she's making about uh, 2000 bucks a month or so, at least the last I heard when I chatted with her a few weeks back. And that would put the value of her site in the, you know, roughly Forty-five to sixty thousand dollar range, or so, probably potentially higher, um, but it's right around that range. Um, I was about to go into more details, but that is <laughs> it's confidential stuff, and it's not really relevant for the link building ideas that we're going to talk about. So, anyway, uh, Christy wrote this post. We're covering uh, eight different ideas in that post. So you could check out way more detail. She kind of walks you through what to do for each one of the, I guess, out of the box links, link building ideas. I need to come up with a better way to say that quickly. But I'm going to go over three, like the three most effective ones. So I'll tell you what they are right quick. And then I'm going to mention my productivity course because a lot of people have been asking about it in the last few weeks. So the three that I'm going to go over are social influencer, a media guide, and a college series. And all of the eight ideas brought in about 10% of the traffic over the first year of the site. It amounted to 
1,668 hours of time on the site and about 25,000 visitors to be exact as 24,889 visitors. And this, these sort of ideas and tactics, strategies really are a great way to bring traffic to your site before you're getting organic traffic from Google. That could be because you're still in the sandbox period or maybe you're out of the sandbox and you want to try some of these different ideas. And p- part of the part of the amazing thing is it's kind of endless. Like you can take these ideas and sort of frame them in a different way and you'll be able to use them in whatever your niche is. It doesn't matter if it is really obscure, like you should be able to reframe the basic core ideas and then use them however you'd like. So the productivity course. So I have a productivity course, a productivity masterclass, and I don't talk about it too much. I I don't know why. I think I don't have a proper like marketing funnel set up for it. So I just kind of mention it here and there. If people ask me about it, I'll, you know, send them a link and they can check it out. Occasionally I will like run a little, uh, sort of a, a mini marketing push for it just to let people know. But the, the big thing is there's no shortcut. You know, people are thinking, Hey, maybe there's some app, Doug, what do you do for project management? How do you get things done? How do you accomplish the projects and finish them and complete them so that you can move on and you actually feel like you accomplished something? And there's no trick. It's really just sitting down and grinding through the work when you don't want to. It's grinding through the work, just sitting down, not getting distracted, sticking to the thing that you're trying to accomplish. Part of that is just writing down and figuring out what you actually want to do and then breaking it down into pieces that you actually can accomplish. So there's no trick. There's no like fancy, cool thing that you can do. You can use any app you want. You can use a notebook. You can use the notes app on your phone or whatever. You can use post-it notes. You can do the whole thing on post-it notes if you want to, or you can use an app. It doesn't really matter. So The big thing is the course helps you through like a proven framework using smart goals, project management, and like goal-oriented systems so that you can accomplish the things you want to accomplish. And like I said, several people have been asking me about it. Um, In fact, when I had the meetup in, in Atlanta in December, a few people were like, oh, dude, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know you had a productivity course at all. Can you send me a link? So people have been checking it out. And uh, Quentin actually took the course and has gone through it. And he commented, uh, you know, to say, hey, man, are you going to you gonna push that or are you going to sell it more or what? And um, yeah, just, I, I did it because I, I like that kind of uh, productivity work. And I haven't really put a lot of effort behind selling it. So anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes and description so you could check it out if you're interested. And let me let me just uh, quickly note that it is not a 
huge, long course. It's going to take a really long time for you to go through. There's a few videos, not many. I think there's maybe like four, and it's mostly written work that you have to like go through and read it. And it's not super long. These are, it's like going through, uh, you know, a, a, a workbook. It's like going through a workbook where you're trying to get something done. So I'm not, I'm not forcing you to read a whole bunch of stories and anecdotes and I'm talking about myself. I am outlining a topic, giving a few examples, and then you do the exercises to help you do the work that you need to do to accomplish your goals. So check it out, Productivity Masterclass, and I'll leave it at that. All right, let's get into these out-of-the-box link building ideas. So first is a social influencer. So basically, and I'm going to hit these like really high level um, because the blog post goes a lot more in depth and gives you stats and numbers. There's graphs so that you can see like how effective different tactics were. So the main idea around this is to find vloggers, podcasters, other influencers in your niche to potentially write content for your site. So a lot of the visitors that show up on your site through some of these exercises, it's referral traffic or traffic coming through uh, social channels where a person shares the content and then people go to your site. So pretty straightforward. And again, it's very effective in the early days of your site when you maybe are not getting any traffic from Google yet. So in the particular case for Christy, she knew that there were a couple big vloggers in the space and they had tons of followers, like over a hundred thousand followers across their different social channels. So she approached a few of them and said, Hey, you know, are you interested in writing some content for my site? And we can cross promote it and figure out the best ways so that like we both get something out of it. So it's kind of key to figure out how to work together. And you could do this for a, you know, a podcaster as well. Now, some people, some people may not be comfortable writing, but the other thing is they may not write much. They may just have the video channel or maybe they just have the podcast medium that they're putting out their content. And you know, they have some very popular topics that maybe they'd be willing to write into a short post, maybe a few hundred words, maybe you could beef it up. But the cool thing, if they write it, if they have skin in the game, then they're probably going to share it. You could even stipulate that, right? You can have them like share it on their social channels, maybe mention it on a video and so on. So again, you have to figure out what works for that individual, but you're using that person's influence. You're giving them another platform, another medium to share their content and you can help them write it. You can help them frame it in the right way that'll identify with your audience. So another benefit with this one is you're networking with them. So if you're, if you're cool and it works out well, they may collaborate with you in the future. So maybe they ask you to be on the podcast or maybe they ask to feature you on a little bit of a video. Maybe it's just a clip. Maybe it's just a mention or something like that. But again, you're getting your name out there and other people will know you. 
once you get one person to work with you, then you can work with other folks, right? They know each other, uh, especially like YouTubers, they collaborate together, they know each other. Bloggers are the same way, right? So if you have a blog, you probably know a couple other people in the space as well. And podcasters are the same way. People are guests on other podcasts, they know each other, and it may go across platforms as well. So maybe someone's big on YouTube, but they also know like three or four Instagram influencers as well. So one one word of caution here, I would try to work with folks like either that are YouTubers or podcasters just because it's a little bit easier to share content that way. Um, with Instagram, and I could be wrong, I could be totally off base here because I'm not I'm not really super interested in Instagram other than just like wasting time and looking at pictures and videos or you know, dumb stuff like that. But basically on Instagram, it's a little bit more difficult to to get people off of that platform. You can't just like put a link in a, um, in a description for a video or a image or anything like that. So it's a little bit harder to get people off the platform. There are ways to do that if you have enough followers, but just keep that in mind. And I would probably start with a spot that's easier to share like YouTube or a podcast. So that's idea one. It's the social influencer, like networking. I can't remember the exact thing that Christy called it, but moving on to the second one, a media guide. So basically in the, the name is a little bit misleading. I'm not sure um, why Christy chose that name, but it is essentially a feature of influencers. So you're like, hey, if you are into YouTube, here are five of my favorite YouTubers. Here are three of my favorite videos that they did. Here's our other social links. And basically it's a resource. So you're like, here's some of the best influencers in this space. And here's why I like them. Here's what they're known for. And it's a great reference. So a couple things that you can do with this. One, you can let the person know that they're featured in the media guide. They may be inclined to share it. It's a little bit of uh, like ego bait. I've, I've heard stuff like this called ego bait, where, you know, if you, if you're nice, if you're talking nice about someone, they may share it. And if you do uh, like a guide where there are multiple people, let's say you feature eight different YouTubers, then you have, you have eight different opportunities for them to share it. And that is uh, sort of a compound effect. If everybody shares it, you may not get everybody to share it, but at least they know it's out there. It's a, it's a great way just to get their attention and let them know, Hey, I, I did something nice for you. You're doing a great job out there. Is it okay if I mention? you could even frame it that way. Hey, is it okay if I mention you in the media guide and, you know, probably 99% of the time the person is going to say, yes, I would love you to talk about me in a nice way and send people to my channel or podcast or whatever. So you could set up these different media guides. You can slice and dice in different ways, right? So you could cover vloggers. Um, you could cover uh, people that do reviews or something like that. So again, you could figure out the right way to frame it for your particular niche and kind of expand on it however you'd like. 
if if you want to share it a little further, you could probably find folks that have shared content by that influencer or by the influencers that you're featuring, and then you could let them know about it. So for example, you can find different tweets, um, for example, so you could find different tweets where someone shared a person's content and then let them know, hey, I created this media guide, I featured different people, and uh, by the way, one of the people you really like is on that list, maybe you should check it out, let me know if you have any additions or whatever. Maybe you could frame it that way, ask for their input, and then maybe give them a little mention as well. So you can see there's many different layers going on and you can make it as complicated as you want. And a quick little tip, potentially, right, if you're doing these first two that I mentioned, I would maybe do the media guide first so that you can do that nice thing for the influencer by mentioning them, mentioning them in your media guide. And then later on, you can maybe approach them for doing some writing or collaboration with you in some other way. Further, right, I'll give you a quick alternative to the first one. We'll jump back to the social influencer. You potentially could make it a little bit easier, right? So if it's a person that is not used to writing that often, you maybe could just ask them a few questions and have them answer. And then you sort of frame that into a post. So it's a little, it's a little bit like a, a written interview. They could answer a few questions, keep it simple. You don't want to make it too complicated, but you could kind of gauge if that person has written before, right? If you know that they have a blog and they do write a little bit, then you may be able to get them to write a little bit more. If they, you know, if they've never, if they've never done any writing or you know that they don't have much of a blog, they just have a website, then you may want to make it easy for them. Now, I imagine some people are out there thinking, why would somebody write for you for free? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So you will have to figure out what works for you. In Christie's case, I know that um, I think a couple people were just like, hey, that sounds great. I would love to basically do a guest post on your on your site. Sounds good. Like, let's move forward. They get a link back. You're promoting them. It's kind of a win-win situation for everybody. Um, and I think in some other cases, you can have someone uh, write for you and you could pay them. So look at uh, Niche Site Project, for example. I've hired a couple people like I Christy has written for me. Evan Porter has written for me. Marty uh, McLeod has written for me. And I, I've paid them, right? So I wanted to make sure that I was being fair with them. I didn't want to take advantage of anyone. I paid them. I linked to you know whatever site they want me to link to. Um, or if they don't want me to link anywhere, that's fine also. And um, I'm paying them for it. I also want to be able to like repurpose the content for a podcast like this or for YouTube or whatever. So I, I wanted to make it very clear that, you know, I, I will be repurposing it. I'm paying you. I'm paying you good money. So you could frame it that way, knowing that they will probably share the content and you'll get, you know, even more of a benefit than just the content. So keep that in mind um, as you're going through it, if it's someone who's like really busy and they maybe don't care about just the 
opportunity to write. You may have to pay them. You may have to figure out some bartering situation or whatever. Again, these are starting points. And I will mention the last one and then talk a little bit about uh, some of the, I guess, the origin of a few of these. So the last one is the college series. So Christy um, basically approached college clubs in her niche and started emailing coaches and, and different people that were associated, maybe sponsors or other volunteers associated with the clubs. Again, it's highly relevant to her niche. And she was able to uh, work with the coaches, find out like, hey, I'm featuring people. Is there anyone from your team that you maybe want to nominate or something like that? And then I'll send over a few questions they could answer. And basically it's a profile on one of the students. The cool thing is students are often very active on social media. They'll share it around, they'll share it with their family, and you can get traffic to your site because people are reading about other people that they actually know. And it's kind of a cool way to potentially, if I remember right, Christy didn't lock down links um, from the EDU sites, right? She didn't lock down links from the club websites, but uh, to be fair, I I don't think she followed up very well. I kind of, I was like, hey, did you, you know, keep hounding them? Of course, there's some other factors involved, right? But I think uh, potentially you could get a link, but at the very least, you're getting social shares to your site. It is informational content, not commercial at all. And, you know, it's it's traffic that you can probably count on whenever you publish one of these, it's going to be shared. You can make it a stipulation like, hey, you know, do this profile, answer these questions, I'll publish it, just be sure to share it with your network and let the team know about it, blah, blah, blah. Working with a coach or whoever the sponsor is for the club is a great way to like make sure that you get someone who's going to follow through. It's going to be sort of the shining star of the club, someone who's really like interested and the coach doesn't want to look bad either. So you may have to think about this a little bit harder. Maybe it doesn't apply directly to your niche, but it will for a lot of niches out there. You may have to think about like non-athletic clubs. For example, you may have to think about clubs that just exist. But as you know, one of the huge advantages to working with the colleges, there's so many of them out there. There's many, many colleges, big ones, small ones. I probably would encourage you to start with small organizations, some smaller colleges out there, because if you go to huge ones, it may be a little bit harder to get through, um, get through to them, but it's worth it's worth a try. It's worth giving it a shot and just see because it's a very, it's a very uh, like uncrowded channel. There's not that many folks like trying to work with a club to feature a student for a profile on a website. So you should be able to work it out. And quick note, you may be thinking, hey, what if I offer a scholarship? You could do that, right? I mean, that's a, that's a strategy that has been out there. However, I would caution you um, that that was sort of frowned upon at some point. It's been sort of abused in the last few years, and there was speculation that 
that was um, one of the things that Google cracked down on. So if you go look at scholarship pages and scholarship links out there on college websites, you'll see a lot of like uh, best lawyer Miami or some sort of, you know, weird SEO kind of scholarships out there. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how some of these ideas came about. So Christy is not only a very good writer, she's a great marketer as well. So she looked at some of the ideas that I usually talk about, uh, such as guest posting in general and just networking. And she was like, well, what if we, what if we do this a little bit different? And what if we network with other parties out there? So all like, basically these ideas are pretty close to networking. When you kind of break it down, you're working with other influencers, you're talking about influencers so that they know that you exist and that they will probably respond to you in kind if you're featuring them in a polite, nice way, favorable. And then if you're working with these colleges, for example, small clubs that want people to talk about them, then it's probably a no-brainer that they're going to work with you or at least reply back. So Christy was taking some of the networking ideas and just strategies from marketing and trying to like dissect them a little bit and then apply them in different ways. So I encourage you to check out all of the other, I guess there's five others that she mentioned. I believe these were the most effective of the of the eight total. So there's five others, but you may be able to take one of the ones that didn't work that well in her particular niche and then make it work for yours. The even better thing is if you could take these ideas and maybe marry it up with some ideas that you have. Maybe you have a strong background in some other sort of marketing or networking or something like that. And you, you're like, oh, wow, this will work great for my niche. There's a ton of nonprofit organizations out there, for example, that want to get more attention because they need more donations. You can perhaps work with them, right? You could figure out how to feature different nonprofits. This is a great idea, right? Feature other nonprofits on your site, mention them, ask them questions. I guarantee you, if you approach nonprofits, they're probably going to want to talk to you. You could probably call and talk to the director. You could probably call and talk to uh, just individuals that can get you links on their website. So it's a, it's a matter of coming up with the idea, testing it, seeing what's working, and then sort of optimizing it and refining it a little bit. I'll caution you that the first time that you try these things, it's probably not going to work out as perfectly as it is it, you know, as you think it will in your head. There's always a little, uh, there's a couple uh, sort of hiccups. There's things that are going to go wrong. Maybe it's hard for you to get a link at the, at the end of the day, but you're able to get some traffic. So you perhaps still can work out the link, but it, it may just be a little bit harder and you may have to refine your process, change it up a little bit, and maybe vloggers are not going to work for you, but maybe podcasters will. So just think about that and you may be able to take some of these ideas and make them work for you. 
There is a link in the description for the original post so you can see all the details, the step-by-step, and all of Christie's notes about how to do these things. I'm going to start rambling now. So typically, not always, but a lot of times I'll, I'll do uh, some just random, random chatter at the beginning of the episode, but I figure, hey, let's mix it up. Let's give you the meat of the episode and then I'll ramble. Hopefully, I'm not going to lose too many of you. But uh, perhaps you're in the car. It's hard for you to change the podcast. Or maybe you just like listening to me, which is great. So I just got back in town. I was traveling for the holidays and I was down in Georgia for about three weeks. I, I drove down there. So that's about a two and a half day drive. And I just got back late last night. It was a long, long day of driving. And I actually, I like did it in two days. I made the drive back in two days. So I drove from, where was I? I was in uh, St. Louis. I was in O'Fallon, Missouri. And uh, then I drove from there all the way back to the Boulder, Colorado area. And I was planning on stopping after, you know, a few hours of driving, you know, a good chunk, but I was going to stop in Hayes, Kansas, but Georgie's sick. She's actually feeling much better today, but she actually got got pretty sick at a pretty nasty stomach bug or something like that on a couple days ago. And I, I was thinking, man, she's she's maybe pretty sick. I, I want to get home as quickly as possible. It's always stressful to stay in a hotel for her. And I could take her to the vet if I get home sooner. Plus, I was making great time. I uh, I fast occasionally, which if you're a longtime listener, you know that I intermittent fast every now and then. And a great time to intermittent fast is when you're doing a road trip because you're not doing anything active. You're just sitting in the car and it takes time to stop and eat. The other huge advantage is a lot of times when I have a meal, I get a little bit more I get tired, right? So I'll get a little sleepy, even if I'm eating a generally healthy meal. Uh, sure, if I have a big bowl of pasta or a giant sandwich with a bunch of bread, those carbs like just knock me out. But if, I, uh, if I'm if i fasting and I drink coffee to compensate, then uh, usually I can make great time. So anyway, Georgie wasn't feeling great. And I was like, you know what? I'm making really good time. I'm just going to push through. I'm going to cancel my hotel reservation And I think it was around 11 in the morning. So I'd been on the road for maybe like three, four hours or so. And I was thinking, I feel good. I'm just going to keep driving and uh, push through. So I canceled the hotel, was driving, everything's going well. And then um, I hit hit snow. So I got got sort of a a non-snow friendly truck. I have a two-wheel drive F-150. I did have some sandbags in the back for such an, an occasion. Luckily, it didn't get too slick. It was a little slick in a few places, but it was a steady snow. It got colder and colder as I was driving. So when I left the Missouri area, it was like, I don't know, 51 degrees, I think. Pretty humid so it wasn't, it didn't feel great, but it just felt kind of cold and damp. Anyway, by the time I got to the middle of Kansas, it was like 
30 degrees, super crazy windy, and uh, the snow started coming down. It snowed for like three hours, but luckily it was mostly melting on the interstate. It was it was uh, not sticking on the interstate, thank goodness. It looked a little slushy in a few spots, but there were enough cars driving over that it must have you know, kept it warm enough that it wasn't sticking. Thank goodness. So I kept, I kept driving, kept pushing through and I made it in, uh, fairly late last night. So I was glad to be home, but I was gone for about three weeks. So I, I forgot, I forgot what it was like living here. I was back down in Georgia at my parents' house and then my in-laws house and also my sister's. So it was all over the place. If you uh, checked out the last episode, I was probably whining about having a cold. I pushed through. I pushed through the cold. I got just enough rest and I was medicating myself with NyQuil and DayQuil. Those usually treat me pretty well and I was not drinking very much. Yes, that's right. I still had a, a beer here or there. It's the holidays. Everyone was around. So I was like, oh, I'll just have I'll just have one. So anyway, I pushed through, I made it through without getting a full-blown flu or anything like that. I just felt run down. I didn't lose my voice. Thank goodness, or at least so far, so good. And um, I'm glad to be home. Holy cow, I'm glad to be home. The thing is, when I got here, it was like 17 degrees. And then when I woke up this morning, it was like 11. So I was kind of kind of not used to that. I actually wore shorts for Christmas day. I wore shorts a bunch down in Georgia, but on Christmas day, it was something like 65 degrees and sunny, beautiful weather. And I can't remember the last time that I had a Christmas wearing shorts with that uh, sort of just unseasonably warm weather. In fact, since we moved and we moved to uh, Bozeman in 2015, it snowed and was generally fairly cold every single Christmas. So it snowed like beautiful. It's like a Hallmark movie basically, which um, I watched several of those because my mom likes them a lot. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of crazy not having a snowy Christmas day since we kind of got used to it. And uh, it was a great trip overall. Got to see a lot of family. I had not been back down to Georgia in about over two years. It was just over two years Got to visit with a couple buddies. Um, we went to a Taco Mac to have some beers. Where, if you're if you're in the southeast, you may be aware of a, these Taco Mac chains. It's like a sports bar, and they have an insane beer selection. Uh, most of them have a hundred beers on tap, something like that. Almost all of them have you know dozens and dozens of beers on tap, and they actually keep track of them for you. So they have like a I don't know. It's not a frequent drinker club. They call it the Brew University, but um, they keep track of all the beers that you have and you get like credit for drinking a new beer. So they kind of gamify it. And I I think I have a master's, right? So Brew University, Brew University is the name of the program. You can Google all this stuff, by the way. Um, so you can uh, join the club. And then if you drink a new beer, you get credit. And they 
give you a list so that you can see the beers that you've already had and which ones that you should order so that you can get credit. And then you move up to like higher levels. And once you reach a certain level, I can't remember if it's the bachelor level, um, but you, instead of a 16 ounce pour, you get like a 20 ounce pour. So you get a big chalice. And my buddies and I, man, we used to drink so, so much when we were out because we'd get the the 20 ounces and have a few of those beers. Oh man, those were, those were good times. I was a, I was a fatter, I had a fatter face back then because I was drinking all those calories and I mean, just, just the sheer volume, the sheer volume of all that beer is insane. Anyway, it was good catching up with those guys and fun going back to a Taco Mac. And I got to be honest, it was actually a little stressful back in the day when we would go because you get your list and then you have to figure out which beer you can order to get credit, but it also needed to be one that you wanted to drink. Sometimes you would order a drink that you didn't really want just so you can get credit for it. Maybe it was a seasonal, something like that, but um, it's fun. It's fun. Around around here, I just order whatever whatever beer I want to get. And the, the big flaw in that old Taco Mac Brewniversity system is it encourages you to order different beers all the time. So if you have a favorite beer, you probably already had it. That's probably one of the first beers that you get. And then it's rare that you're going to order it again if you're, you know, gamifying the whole situation and you always want to order a new beer. You almost always order something new. So you don't get to order your favorite beer. Or if you have a beer that you like that day, you probably are going to not be able to order it again because you want to get credit. So anyway, nowadays I just order the beer that I want and uh, things are a little less stressful. I mean, only only I can make ordering beer a stressful thing. So anyway, it was a good trip and I'm glad to be home getting back in the saddle, trying to catch up on emails, all that stuff. So anyway, if you're interested in the full list of out of the box link building ideas, be sure to check the link in the description. If you're interested in getting more done, then check out the productivity masterclass. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.